We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Untuck It. Go to Untuckit.com and use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's Untuckit.com with promo code BLUE. Blue Wire. Spell has this elevated IQ temperature scroll cast that suddenly makes you want to be in a musical. Look, I just did it. Who cares? Who cares? Look, how about your most loyal best friend? Quiet in here, Mr. Danforth. It's him, Miss Falstaff, not me. Look, you're a hoops dude. Not a musical singer person. Have you ever seen Michael Crawford on a cereal box? Who's Michael Crawford? Exactly my point. He, he was the Phantom of the Opera on Broadway. Now my mom, she's seen that musical 27 times and she put Michael Crawford's picture in our refrigerator. Yeah, not on it, in it. So my point is if you play basketball, you're gonna end up on the cereal box. If you sing in musicals, you're gonna end up in my mom's refrigerator. Welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by the Blue Wire Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Kyle Banduho, and yes, I am dealing with a little bit of head cold, but luckily I recorded this episode before the head cold started, so you're not going to have to deal with this for an hour. Uh, It is the finale of DCOM December and the final episode of 2019. We are covering High School Musical with Mike Schubert. He is the host of the award-winning Potterless podcast, as well as Horse, which is a basketball podcast. You will hear more about that when Mike gets introed. Uh, Mike was previously on to discuss the Quidditch scenes of Harry Potter, and he is without a doubt one of my favorite people to record with. This episode was really fun. I was a first-time High School Musical viewer. He was not, so it was a good blend of, uh, of different points of view here. Make sure you go follow Mike on social media and check out his podcast. Uh, he's just great on this episode. He does an amazing job with Potterless. So, uh, yeah, he, he is definitely deserving of a follow. If you are enjoying Big Screen Sports, if you enjoyed DCOM December, or any of the episodes we did this year, which are all evergreen, can be listened to anytime, and you haven't yet, please leave a five-star rating and if you so wish a review. I will read out all new reviews at the time of recording. Let me know what you think. You know, you guys know the drill. Those ratings and reviews really help this podcast, help me out, uh, help the podcast grow. So I, I'm very appreciative of all of them. Please follow on Twitter at Big underscore Screen Sport or Instagram at Big Screen Sports Pod. 
If you do follow those accounts, you'll get sports movie content as well as upcoming episode info. I'm really excited for January. First episode is on January 6th with the guys from Mad About Movies. We're breaking down our five favorite sports films of the decade. We recorded it a while ago. It's a great episode. Really excited to finally drop it. January has some great movies and guests. We got some new guests, some returning guests. Be on the lookout. Finally, I just want to thank everyone who's listened to this podcast this year. Anyone who's reached out, followed on social media, rated, reviewed, etc. This is a passion project for me. I wasn't sure if anyone would listen. I'm really grateful to everyone who has. I'm looking forward to 2020, keeping this thing going, trying out some new things. Uh, so, you know, thanks again to everyone who is, who is listening to this podcast is still listening to this intro. Uh, with that, let's wrap up DCOM December and talk High School Musical with Mike Schubert. Joining me today for the finale of DCOM December, host of the recently award-winning Potterless Podcast, <laughs> Mike Schubert. Mike, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm feeling great. We won Best Art Podcast 2019, which is incredibly silly, but I will be flexing on this until the end of time. I'm doing great. How are you doing, Kyle? I'm doing great. And as well you should, before we get going with uh, the finale of DCOM December, High School Musical, uh, tell us about Potterless, where where the folks can find it, what you're going to be up to in the upcoming year, and also tell us about Horse. Sure. So Potterless is a podcast that I started about three years ago. It is the tale of me, a grown man who never read the Harry Potter books as a child, reading the books for the very first time as an adult. So I recently have finished the books. I've been doing the movies. I'm almost done with those. And then I'm going to be able to get into fun spin-off type stuff. So like Cursed Child and all things like that. Super fun. Very silly. I would highly recommend. I'm very biased, but I think it's great. Uh, and then the other show that I work on is called Horse. It's a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. So we just talk about the sillier aspects of the NBA, such as which teams have cool NBA City Edition jerseys and why do people like Luca but hate Harden even though they're the same? So fun stuff like that uh, for for all of those. For, just search them into Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, and Horse got second place in best sports podcast. So hey, almost double award winning. Just got the silver medal in that one. That Luca and Harden take is scorching. I'm not going to touch it. Um, <laughs> if you guys enjoy this episode, go check out. I think a couple months ago, Mike and I covered the Quidditch scenes in the Harry Potter films. We it was did. a lot of fun. Uh, Quidditch, Quidditch is problematic, and it's interesting that that you with Potterless is a guy who who never never read the books, experiencing everything for the first time. Whereas I have nerded out on those since I was eight. We're the opposite, really, with High School Musical. You you've seen it before. Mm-hmm. I was a first time High School Musical viewer. High School Musical is the 2006 DCOM musical basketball film. A popular yes. high school athlete and and an academically gifted girl get roles in the school musical and develop a friendship that threatens East High's social order. It's like the movie <laughs> Grease with less smoking. Uh, it starred Zac Efron, Vanessa Hudgens, Corbin Blue, and Ashley Tisdale. Got a 63% on Rotten Tomatoes. That's criminally low. That's criminally oh, low. Really? Criminally low? Uh, what What do the negative reviews say? Like, what did people go into this movie expecting? Like, what's I will, Roger I will direct saying? you to the Rotten Tomatoes <laughs> website for that one. Uh, this, this film was essentially the birth of a phenomenon known as Zac Efron. Uh, Mike, st- to start out, what makes a good DCOM sports movie? Because that is different than a, a real sports movie. 
Sure. So I think with Disney Channel original movie sports ones, you need to suspend disbelief about the reality of the situation. And more, you need to think about what message is this movie trying to send. At the end of the day, these are children's movies, much like children's books, which I've done with Harry Potter. You kind of brush some stuff to the side for the bigger picture. And the bigger picture here is that it's okay to like multiple things it's okay to not fit in in a particular click and it's okay to want to do something that isn't traditionally cool like sure you're really good at basketball but if you don't like it and you want to be in the musical be in the musical i think what makes this one perfect is just that it's fun and it knows what it is and it just does that it doesn't try to be anything that it's not and i absolutely love it so, Mike, historically, are you a big DCOM fan, or have you seen a couple? What What's your, your experience with the, the DCOM genre? Sure. I have seen three, and they are High School Musicals 1, 2, and 3. Uh, I oh, never, wow. Okay. I never had the Disney Channel growing up. For whatever reason, our cable package gave us Nickelodeon for the longest time, but not Cartoon Network or Disney Channel. And then just before high school, we got Cartoon Network, but we still didn't get Disney Channel. Um, so I just never really watched any of them growing up, but I remember I was in high school and high school musical was going around and my buddy, his younger brothers were really, they were the prime age. They were in middle school at the time. So they were the prime age to watch this thing. And we watched it with them. And of course, classic high school, me hated it at first, but now I've grown to appreciate and love them so much. Well, I will say you kind of hit the nail on the head with Disney Channel sports movies and that it is not really about the sport as much. It is about using the sport as a vehicle to talk about a theme mm-hmm. uh, with some sort of acceptance or something like that. So yeah. I, I don't think I, I even have to ask, is this a Hall of Fame all-star starter or bench warmer decom movie for Dude, you? It's Hall of Fame, man. It's so good. I am obviously not speaking from true experience of all the decom movies, but... I feel like in the zeitgeist, people put this in the realm of Smart House and the Halloween one that everybody likes. Is that with that Bette is Miller? Hocus Pocus? Hocus Pocus. I, I don't know if that's, that's actually a decom. Oh, really? I'm not okay. sure. It's, I think it's in the upper tier. Xenon, Girl of the Future, stuff like that. This one is definitely up there. It's just so much fun. The songs slap. It is iconic. So I think it is Hall of Fame. So I will say as a first time watcher, obviously the the ideal environment to experience this one, I'm not sure, is as a as a twenty eight year old grown man. Probably not. But I will say as someone who's had to watch a quite a few DCOM movies <laughs> in a very short amount of time for a podcast, I will say as far as rewatchability goes, this one is an all star. Yeah. It is not quite as I don't enjoy it as much as I enjoyed watching Luck of the Irish. I really Cla- thought that was classic. really good. But um, I, it was also it was rewatchable. Uh, it's enjoyable. I mean, like I will, my fiance will probably make me watch two, both two and three. We actually watched the opening scene to two as soon as we finished mm. this one, just because she wanted to watch the the opening dance number. But really, you know, not bad. Again, sparked the Zac Efron phenomenon. I'm a big Zac Efron guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a couple opening questions for you before we really dive into it. Sure. Um, just playing the percentages, what are the chances you're at a, a crowded party at a ski lodge and you spotlight two random people for a karaoke duet and they both have show tunes chops? That is a 0% chance. 
the whole that entire scene is that should set the tone for the movie right away. It's like, hey guys, reality not happening in this film because it is bonkers. At no karaoke place do they just pick two random people to come sing. At no place do they sing this song that is not popular. It's a song that was written for the movie. So it's not like if you are at karaoke and they just play a classic song that everyone knows the words to. It's not like they're throwing up, I don't know, not Bohemian Rhapsody, but something where it's like, oh yeah, that song. Everyone knows this song. Like it's not like they throw up a duet like Ain't No Mountain High Enough. They do this random song, unless we're supposed to believe in this world where East High School lives, that this is the most popular song, so of course they know the words. But yeah, the fact that they have incredible show tunes chops, and it's a duet, so they know exactly when one person is singing and not the other. Karaoke is always so confusing, even when they have the colors for who's supposed to sing what. They always pick like green and then yellow, so you can't tell what it is so the fact that they absolutely nail it they don't flub anything and they have perfect singing chops as you put it zero (laughs) percent and just to note our our grease parallel this is the equivalent of uh of danny and sandy meeting at the beach right um i have another question why isn't corbin blue more famous and he has had great success on on like Broadway and dancing. I'm not knocking that. I'm not going to disregard that. But if you watch this movie in 06, if you had watched it when it premiered, it is not a certainty that Efron ends up a superstar and not blue. So I'm not disregarding the success he's had, but it is, he is not Efron. He has not had the same. And I looked at his IMDb, and it doesn't even look like he's had the same opportunities. Like, Zac Efron has had the chance to make and have a couple bad films just bomb like right. charlie st cloud and there's that we are your friends where it's like the edm movie mm-hmm. it doesn't even look like corbin blue got to shoot those shots i i think he he's one of the best parts of this movie he's really good i was never blown away by his acting skills he's very bad at basketball in this film so i could attribute very bad, that to very it. Bad, his yes. form is atrocious i mean the hair is very gimmicky It's very Justin Guarino from the first season of American Idol, where it's just this big, goofy afro, and that doesn't age well, and that just kind of became his calling card of like, oh, yeah, the guy with the really big afro, and that doesn't help. Um, I don't know. I mean, it seems like he can sing and and everything is fine. I think part of it is just Zac Efron is in the lead role. Zac Efron is gorgeous, and, you know... It sucks, but Zac Efron's a white guy, so that's another factor. True. I think it's just yeah. like you look from this movie, and nobody really blew up except for Zac Efron. Vanessa Hudgens, yeah, a little bit, but again, that's mainly just because she's hot. And I, I don't know that it's it's not fair by any means, but I think with all this stuff, you just pick attractive people and then put them in roles and see if it works. And Vanessa Hudgens, Vanessa Hudgens, it didn't really work, and then Zac Efron, it did. He's surprisingly good in some of the movies that he's in i remember watching him he's in that one with matthew perry where it's like 17 again and leslie bibb i was yeah so he's actually not that bad in that one and that was the first time he was in more of a real role so zac efron is solid he's i mean he's really funny in neighbors and some other stuff baywatch where he just gets to be like obnoxious and over the top so I don't know. I I think he gets benefited by being in the main role, and I think he was just a heartthrob at the time. People weren't heartthrobbing over Corbin Blue when the movie came out, so I think you you give him the chance because, hey, if we slap Zac Efron's name on something, it's going to get views and people are going to see it, whatever, and then you find out, oh, he's actually good, and then you put him in more stuff. 
Yeah, I mean, and he had to survive, and he also had a bad haircut in this movie. He had to survive that. Uh, he yeah. really goes for it with his lip-syncing face. Right, because this one, he doesn't sing. He doesn't start singing until the second. He does not. That's a good way to transition into some of the trivia we found. There's a ton on this movie. In most of the DCOM movies, there's been almost none. There's a ton for High School Musical. I tried to I tried to pull relevant stuff, interesting stuff. Um, like you mentioned, Zac Efron's singing voice was that of Drew Seeley, who tested for the role of Troy. Uh, the the other two movies, it is his voice because they wrote the music or they, they made the music specifically for his his tone or whatever. I don't know. Nice. I don't I don't know much about music, but that that lines up to me. Sure. Um, Efron and Vanessa Hudgens were dating both on and off the screen. Um, they don't have they don't have a terribly incredible amount of chemistry here, so. I'm not surprised they're not still dating. <laughs> um, it took 24 days to film this movie. That is less than four weeks, folks. That sounds short. I don't know a lot about filming movies. Is that comparatively short? Because that feels quick. I think that is very comparatively short, but I think that is probably on the level with most of these DCOM movies. I think okay. they're all probably done fairly quickly. Um, there was a duet planned between uh, Coach Bolton and Miss Darvis that was never filmed. <gasps> what? I, for one, am very glad that that didn't happen. Oh, I that, mean, yeah. That would have easily won the big cheese, though. I mean, they are... Zach's... Sorry, Troy's father is a douche. Oh, and completely. so is that art, the theater teacher, or art teacher, whatever you want to call her. She's also very bad. So they're perfect for each other. But man... That would have been a weird. It would have been very weird for the basketball coach who's like singing is dumb to then have a duet. It's very strange. Yeah, there's not a whole lot I have to say about Coach Bolton just because I've been covering the same kind of bad decom coach for the past month. It is just like the the trope of I don't understand any of my teams and I'm a douche and that's pretty much it. But Miss Darvis is a whole other thing that I have a lot to say on. Good, good, good. Um, Zach Efron had to undergo three hours of basketball practice every day because his character was the captain of the basketball team. Yeah, I mean, he's good. If you watch Get Your Head in the Game, I went super into detail about the three best and the three worst aspects of Get Your Head in the Game in an old episode of Horse. And I think the number one best thing or part of the best things was Zach Efron's form. He has a great shot. He's... He's clearly he's got some athleticism, and in the, the one scene where he's all frustrated and having to purposely miss shots, like you can tell he is intentionally missing, right. not like not like a guy who's just putting up shots and missing. He is intentionally, you can see he's intentionally holding himself back. It, right. It's very humorous that that scene where he's frustrated. Um, right. This is my favorite bit of trivia. The film has its origins in a 1999 script entitled Grease Three. Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake were to star as the children of Danny Zuko and Sandy Olsen from the 1978 film. The plot was virtually the same as High School Musical, but with more similarities to Grease. The character who had become Sharpay was to be the daughter of Betty Rizzo. Producers tried to get Christina Aguilera for the part, but she declined. Timberlake's bandmates from NSYNC were to have supporting roles, with John Travolta and Olivia Newton-John allegedly approached for cameo roles. Oh my gosh, this would have been a this would have shut down the world. It would have been a sensation. It might have been terrible, but all those people to, I mean, That's that was incredible. the peak of fame in 1999. That would have been outrageous. Wow. That is bonkers. 
I'm really upset that that didn't take place. That would have been great. I mean, I love High School Musical so much, and I'm very thankful for it. But that would have been fantastic. I've never really realized how how similar this was to Grease until you've been pointing it out now. Really, and, just less smoking. Yeah, just no, not a single cigarette in this movie. Versus like Grease is like uh-huh. when I watched Grease, I watched Grease at a very young age, and for, like at that moment, I was like, "Wow, smoking is really cool. Look how cool these guys are." Yeah, there's also less gross misogyny in it, so that's oh a yeah, plus. much much less, much less gross misogyny. Um, Lucas Grabeel, uh, who played who played Sharpay's brother Ryan, uh, wore oh. nine different hats during the movie, which yes. I only include to talk about in a later category, uh, Wildest Fit. Mm-hmm. Um, also, fun was, fact, that dude was way old. He seemed way, yeah, he looked way older than everyone else. How old was he? Did I you, think he was in his 30s. I don't know. I saw that, I think Monique Coleman was the oldest, and she was like 25. I think he just looked real old. I think, what, what's his name again? Lucas Grabeel. Uh, he is, he's 35 now. Okay. Um, so he, he was in his early 20s, but he looked old. He looked yeah. older than everyone. Um, but yeah, he wore nine different hats, which I, I will talk about in a bit. Uh, this was Disney Channel's most successful movie at its time with 7.7 million viewers in the premiere broadcast. The, uh, the sequels shattered that. Uh, of course. So, and then this one, is, this one is interesting. This is a little deeper than, than the others. Uh, this is the, the last bit of trivia. Grabeel asked Ortega, who was the director, I believe, about Ryan's sexuality early oh, yes, on. There was yes, never yes. confirmation either way, although Ryan appears to show interest in Kelsey in the third film. However, that being said, both Grabeel and Ortega said that they believed Ryan should be gay, which he he very obviously is. Yes. But Disney wouldn't allow them to use that in a family film. I kind of pose the question to you. If, if they made High School Musical in 2019, do, I feel like they would actually go in on that. That, would, that wouldn't be as taboo as it was in 2006. 100%. 100%. I absolutely love Ryan the character. He really shines in the second movie. I made a YouTube video a while back when I was in college and I used to make YouTube videos. I believe I did a recap of the first two High School Musical films. And in the second one, I basically just talked about why the whole second movie should have been about Ryan instead. His character arc in the second movie is actually incredibly interesting because he distances himself from Sharpay and he becomes his own person and he makes... Uh, Corbin Blue's character a better person and teaches him to be more accepting. He is steals the show in the second movie. And he's actually solid at acting and singing and everything too. Yeah, but, and there yeah. was some there was some trivia that I didn't I didn't list about him and Ashley Tisdale. Apparently butted heads. We're not uh Ooh. we're not as chummy as they as they could have been uh filming this movie, but um, mm. Let's get into let's get into best scene. Uh, you know, there a lot of the scenes revolve around the the songs. I mean, in in typical musical fashion, it's all based on, you know, they they all revolve around the songs. Um, there is the initial the the first scene at the at the ski lodge. Uh, mm-hmm. The song is start of something new, but let's not forget that right before that scene, uh, Troy and his dad are playing one on one basketball like you know, three feet from the hoop and just some random, there's just a random hoop set up in that ski lodge. Love it. Love it. Uh, I, as someone who's played in some really weird, obscure basketball courts before, I appreciated that. One of my buddies had in in the basement of his apartment complex, a basketball full court that was only about as wide as the paint. So it made for very interesting games of three on three. 
Well, you live in so you live strange. in NYC, correct? Which I feel yeah. like is the world capital of weird <laughs> basketball courts. This was actually in Seattle, but yes, NYC's got some real, real funky ones. I've played in some high school gyms here that the ceiling is so low that you can't arc your shot that much, otherwise you'll hit the roof. Very interesting stuff. Awesome. Awesome stuff. Um, there's the the get your head in the game scene. Mm. Some mm. of the toughest basketball ever put on film. <laughs> The the shoes are what's really tough for me because they're wearing Capizio-esque cheerleader shoes. They're not wearing any semblance of basketball shoe. That always hurt my feelings. There's also the line, shoot the outside J, and he pulls up from the free throw line. And don't be afraid to shoot the outside J. I will somewhat defend it because back in the day, outside J did not mean three-pointer. That's and true. He didn't need to be shooting from like Jimmer range. Right. I also really did appreciate it's it's a testament to the fact that Zach can actually play basketball is that they do the thing where you actually see with no cuts, you see a shot leave Zach Efron's hand and go all the way into a basket, which is a rarity in movies. You only see it with him and Adam Sandler in the Longest Yard remake. And then, you know, ah, this person actually can play basketball. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, the Adam Sandler, uh, the the one on one scene with um, with Michael Irvin mm-hmm. is one he of can my hoop, man. Sandler can hoop. Yeah, when, Sandler's, Sandler's a little, he's sneaky athletic. Yes. Um, next scene, the, the song Stick to the Status Quo. It's basically oh. the song letting us know that stereotype people have other interests. Mm-hmm. Very um, important. I would say it is probably my second favorite song in the movie. Right. I, hmm, it's up there. It's top three for me. There's the the Troy and Gabriella interventions where they their friends basically trick them to uh, to drop this interest of singing, which Ugh. is AKA the scene where Danny sees Sandy in front of his friends for the first time. Oh yeah, uh, after the after the pep rally, it is that scene with more technology. Right, right, right. Um, so there's that one, and then uh, I had to list this scene uh, when Troy is putting up the shots, being frustrated in his backyard. He's got mm. like the James Harden leg kick where he's kicking his leg out. He's intentionally bricking the shots yep. and then he throws the ball against the fence. Very funny to me. Uh, that goes right into the friends all realizing they were awful friends with the world's quickest heel turn. And being like, <laughs> wait a minute, we've been trying to stop you from singing the whole movie, but now we support you. We're going to make this happen. <laughs> Um, there's the audition where they sing Breaking Free and literally the entire school just shows up. And then uh, there's the team winning the championship game, the 3.30 p.m. championship game. Which <laughs> I, I just want to highlight the basketball, the basketball action in that isn't terrible. It's mostly, you know, the formula for having a lot of non-athletes is just quick cuts and up-close shots, and then Efron can actually dribble. Right. And that goes into We're All in This Together, which is a song that I actually knew of before watching this movie. I think nice. it's probably my favorite song in the movie. Did I miss any of your favorite scenes? The only thing you missed is that what I actually think is the best song in the movie is the Ryan and Sharpay version of Always There Beside Me or whatever that one's called. Uh, Mm -hmm. I'm I'm blanking on the name. Uh, Oh, what I've been looking for. Yes, what I've been looking for. Their rendition of that is incredible and it's so much better than the sad slow sultry one that zach and vanessa do troy and vanessa do because uh, just it's so jazzy the guy who plays ryan his voice is fantastic they do jazz squares oh man i no joke in my regular just songs to listen to random playlist on spotify that song is in there because it's just so good 
I can I can see where that would be your your favorite scene. I'm gonna have to go with the just the end. The we're all in this together. Oh, so I love I a good ending musical number with the entire cast being friends. I, right. I'm a sucker for that. I, I I just it gets me. Yes, I don't I don't think that the Ryan and Sharpay. What I've been looking for is the best scene. I do think it's the best song. I think probably best overall for me. I think that stick to the status quo is the most important for sending a message, teaching it and all that, and teaching it to the viewers and all of that. But I think that Get Your Head in the Game was so trailblazing to have a musical sport number where the beat is dribbling and shoe squeaking. I think that was one that at the time everyone was just, whoa, it was unlike anything that had ever been seen before. That song might get the most social media play of anything yes. on this in this movie. I think I, I think we were in a in a tweet thread recently with that clip being shared. Yes, yes, yes. There's many interesting things, such as when he says fake right and break left, he fakes left and breaks right. <laughs> a lot of tough a lot of, a lot of tough looks in that song. <laughs> Let's take a quick break here from our sponsors and we will get back with the most authentic and least authentic parts in the film. Big Screen Sports is brought to you by Untuck It. Folks, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, you know how big I am on Untuck It, and Christmas was very kind to me. In-laws got me some Untuck It. Sister-in-law got me some Untuck It. Parents got me some Untuck It. It's just, the, they're the best shirts. You ever seen Untuck Button Down? They look awful because they weren't meant to be worn that way. Thankfully, there's Untuck It, the original button-down shirt actually designed to be worn untucked. No matter your size or shape, Untuck It shirts always fall at the perfect Untuck length. Untuck It has more than 50 fit combinations. They look great on tall guys, short guys like me, slim guys, athletic guys. Doesn't matter who, they've got a fit for you. You can find your favorite Untuck It style online or check out one of their 80 brick and mortar stores. You can choose from styles like wrinkle-free button-downs, super soft flannels, outerwear, and more. Guys, they have a performance fabric button down i got one for christmas i am going to wear it all the time it, it it just it's the most comfortable shirt i've ever owned uh their website's easy to use they have a whole page devoted to helping you find your fit so whether you are shopping for the perfect post-holiday gift maybe using some of that return money on something you really like or just trying to craft a smart relaxed style of your own untuck it's the way to go Visit untuckit.com, use promo code BLUE for 20% off at checkout. That's U-N-T-U-C-K-I-T.com and promo code BLUE for 20% off. Mike, let's get into the, the most authentic and least authentic parts of the movie. Obviously, kind of, you know, we talked about earlier with a DCOM movie, it's not really focusing as much on actual sports authenticity, athletic authenticity, what was the most authentic thing in the movie for you? I think high school students being assholes is the most authentic thing. Lines up perfectly. It's just friends not approving of a significant other or a different interest or all this other stuff making you not want to just be what is traditional. I think that's the most believable thing is just high school having needless drama that really centers around, oh, that's different. And I'm uncomfortable with that because that's different. I think that's the most believable thing. Yeah, mine is in the same vein. It's just like an athlete or just someone in a in a certain group not wanting to step out into a creative space or try something new that their heart actually desires. I think that's very in, – in high school, you very much want to pigeonhole yourself into certain things and you're afraid to step out out of those boundaries. Yeah. And so I, I found that very, very authentic. Totally. I mean, I played basketball in high school in the fall, and then in the spring, I played tennis as the varsity sport that I did. And people on the basketball team used to make fun of me for playing tennis because I guess it's not a manly sport, 
But first off, it's in the spring and there is no spring basketball. So I'm going to play something. And I was on varsity. So like, I don't under, it was so strange to me that that became, oh, you play tennis. What are you gay? Like what? (laughs) See, pulling back the curtain, I played baseball and I also would participate in the school musical each fall. I mean, it was me and a couple other athletes who didn't really do anything. I think I've I've had a... a total of two lines, just in case you know Hollywood wants to come calling. <laughs> but it was it was just something fun to participate in. I really liked the theater teacher. It was a great class to take. It was oh, 100%. a class you could definitely walk out of. Um, but yeah, so I, I did the exact same thing. But yeah, that is a very common thing of of when people see see you doing something that they don't relate to or they don't understand or they don't have a desire for to attack it as different. So I, I thought that was very authentic. As far as the the least authentic thing. I have a I have a couple. What is your did you have something for the least authentic part about this movie? Yeah, the biggest thing for me is just the scheduling of that day where the final scene happens. Oh yeah. What I, in what world do they have the academic decathlon? I assume it's off campus based on the way that it appears, right? It's not it's not in the is it in the school in a different room? It appears to be in a school in, in the school in a different okay. room. So you're telling me that East High School is hosting the academic decathlon and the state championship basketball game in the same place at the same time? Bonkers. And it's around 3 or 3.30, whatever it is. School is not out. I can understand we had some basketball games in high school that started a little early and it was a thing where they would let school out early and then people could go watch the game and that was cool. That's not what happens here. But also when you have a state championship basketball game, it's usually in a neutral location and usually in a bigger arena and usually at night so that everybody's parents can go see their children in the state championship. So that was just the least believable thing for for me is the fact that all these things are scheduled at the same time. Also, the team hasn't played a basketball game in weeks. <laughs> like it's there was New Year's, so there was the Christmas break. There's like at least the first two weeks of term. They're like, oh, we got the championship game in two weeks. Like that. What is this bowl season? It doesn't work like that. <laughs> You're playing in the playoffs. You're playing at least every week. Yeah, and just the school's rigidity of. Okay, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna have the game, the academic academic decathlon. And the audition callback all at the same time in the same school. That's so strange. How does the school not recognize all this could have been resolved is all you got to do is be like, hi, I'm on the basketball team. I also would like to be in the play. Can we do the audition at a different time? And then Vanessa Hudgens could have been could have said, yeah, that's fantastic because I'm also in the academic decathlon and I would like to be in the play. Can we just do our audition at a different time? It's so strange that it was like, no, no, no. These are all at the same time and you have to make the power go out. I am going to place that squarely on the feet of a very inflexible Miss Darbus. Yep, Darbus for sure. I I do want to have a Darbus discussion in a bit. Another, just a very less, like something that that didn't feel authentic to me was Sharpay being a gracious loser at the end of the movie. Yeah. Like losing out on that role. Nothing in her character or situation meant that she would have been cool with losing out on that role at all. And she really shouldn't have. She's dreamed about that role forever. Her and her brother are very good. They are very dedicated to theater. And they lose to two people who clearly have way too much going on to to put their full, you know, full effort into this musical. Yeah, I think the biggest thing 
that makes me sad about this movie, especially after you watch the second and the third, is that Ryan becomes such a good character in the second, and he becomes the voice of reason to Sharpay and helps her become nicer. And in this movie, he's really nothing. He's just Sharpay's henchman. He's just there. He doesn't really contribute a whole lot, aside from his hats. But I think that if he was a little bit more of the character, the way he's portrayed in the second, if that was more present in the first, I think that would have made that more believable to have him try to make Sharpay be nicer about the situation. Cause I agree with you. It's unbelievable that she's pissed off the whole movie. And then at the very end, she's like, you know what? Go have fun. Like that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. You know what? This is, this is my senior year. I just missed out on the role that I was, I was dreaming of, but yeah, everything's fine. There's really no, they, they don't lay any groundwork for that possible heel turn 100%. at all. But let, let's talk about the things the movie did well. Let's go into what worked. First and foremost, for me, I can really identify with Troy not having any game whatsoever after that duet. Cannot seal it for a New Year's kiss. <laughs> everything lined good. up. Um, as I like to say, he ran the race, did not cross the finish line. <laughs> really identifiable to see a, a high school guy just completely fall flat on his face in that regard. Right, 100%. What else did you have that worked? I think that all the music is really good. It's so catchy. Everything is fantastic. I love all of it. I also really love some of the little jokes in songs or just the little moments that aren't singing. So in Stick to the Status Quo, which is hilarious, but the little things like hip hop hooray, creme brulee, stuff like that. But then also the little breakdown and get your head in the game where he's like, why am I feeling so wrong? My head's in the game, but my heart's in this song. Like that stuff. Oh, I love all of that. And that is with Efron really trying with that lip syncing face. I mean, he stretches that thing like the mask. Uh-huh. Does a great job. And then you also get the only time where he is quote unquote singing in a song where he says... Uh, something, gotta shake this, yikes! <laughs> That's actually Zach and not the other guy. Oh, man. But yeah, I think the music is great. It's super fun. The choreography's silly. The sets look cool, except it makes East High School look like they have the most money ever. Their funding is fantastic because their high school looks better than some of the buildings in my college. Oh, it looks a hundred times better than my college. We used to refer to the main building at my college as looking like an old, decrepit women's prison. So that doesn't okay, it's not really okay. saying a lot, but it does. Like I went to a brand new high school. Literally, senior year was the first year that high school was built, and yeah, East High had had better funding. Yeah, they got some there. really solid funding going on. Yeah, they did film it at a real high school in Utah. It's interesting. This movie and Luck of the Irish both filmed in Utah. I'm wondering if like Disney Channel had it huh. in there. And this one takes place in Arizona. No, in Albuquerque. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Which Sorry. we will get to when we get to what didn't work. I have a thing about that. Okay, okay. Um, but you're right. The movie flows really well. Um, it's yes. not ever slow, which you, you cannot have a decom movie that's slow, but the, the music's boppy. It's catchy. There's a couple of these songs that you will remember at least the tune as soon as the movie's, you know, you know, the next day you can at least get a, a, a couple of movies. It, it flows really well. It doesn't really, it, it sticks to the story. It doesn't really try to bog you down with, with a lot of side action. No. Um, which is good. Uh, I, re I thought Efron and Corbin Blue were both really good. They have, you know, they both have charisma, some comedic chops. The cheesiness isn't really their fault. It's a lot of the, it's, a, it's, it's a more Disney the screenwriting. Yeah, movie. exactly. Exactly. Um, I think Troy showing up on Gabriella's balcony is a lot more scary and funny when you think about him as Ted Bundy like he was this year. <laughs> <laughs> my, my fiance pointed that out. It's like, oh, there's Ted Bundy on the balcony. That's great. Oh, my gosh. That's very fun. <laughs> Did you have uh, anything else notable that worked about this one? Oh, man. 
I I don't uh, Ryan's hats for sure. Oh, I yeah. gosh, love them. I can appreciate someone having lots of different accessories. I have a lot of different socks, uh, and I appreciate trying to make the socks match the outfit. So I love that he was a a forefront and a trailblazer in the fashion industry back then. I think that's really good. Um, but well, yeah. do you want to talk about the wildest fit or hairstyle choice? Let's do it. Because this is 06. You're a guy who's noted. You have good hair. But you've also talked about, and I, I saw you've posted about you used to have some bad haircuts. It was, it was rough, man. It was rough. Uh, starting in seventh grade until my senior year of high school, I had a bowl cut. And then I ended up rocking a buzz cut type deal in college. But uh, the way that my head is shaped and the way my hair grows, it just kind of grows out, not really long. So... I would let it get too big and it kind of mushroom clouded out like Guile from Street Fighter. So I had some bad hair choices back then. I looked like 15-year-old Justin Bieber pretty Ooh, often. So okay, okay. not a not a great I, I I'm not great in that regard either. So this movie, 06, some incredible fits. Um, oh yes. There's right off the bat, in the in the first scene in the one-on-one, Coach Bolton is wearing some incredibly baggy gym pants. Yes, he is. Just I mean, you could you could fit like three different people in there. Um, Efron's hair in general, Efron's hair and Corbin Blue's hair, and then Troy's karaoke outfit. <gasps> yeah, uh, the, the button first, down. It is baggy jeans, a baggy button down. It looks like like classic divorce dad button down. Oh, yeah, it's a rough really look. Bad. Really bad. Uh, Gabriella's outfit on her first day. She had a green shirt, the skirt, the school, the shoes were pretty bad. Um, per my fiance, pretty much everything she wears is bad. <laughs> the problem is like. Mid two thousands was really rough for fashion. It was. Oh, yeah. I mean, really there's not bad. a lot of good in this movie. No, there as really far as isn't. fashion goes. Nah, it's 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 rough. It was a rough time. I have a sneaky pick for one of the wildest fits. Or the, okay, p- potentially the best fits. There's a guy in Stick to the Status Quo who's just in one of the groups. He's wearing a fully buttoned checkered shirt with a bow tie and suspenders. Just Fresh. sticking out like a sore thumb to me, but it, it it was actually like it was something that if a guy walked down the street wearing that in 2019, you're like, oh, that's kind of a fit. Um, <laughs> there's every one of Ryan's hats. Oh yes. Hands. And then Gosh. when Troy is painting the set, with him and Gabrielle are painting the set, missing bat, and he's missing basketball practice. He's wearing a blue button down that looks three sizes too big. Yeah, the bagginess of Troy's clothes a bit much. One look that is incredibly fresh is the all white tracksuit warmups that the basketball team has. Love those. And they I believe they have their last names on the back of the jackets, right? They do. They do. Yeah. One of the uh one of it was in the trivia, one guy has the name extra on the back <laughs> of his. <laughs> That's great. I did really appreciate that the High school jerseys for the Wildcats looked very much like high school jerseys in that they were really bad and shiny polyestery. They didn't have last names on the back, and they actually did the correct thing where the numbers were all less than five for each individual digit, which is definitely a thing in high school basketball so that the referees can more easily show the scoreboard who got the foul. You'll never have a number like 27 because you can't you you can't sign that with two hands. So I appreciated their attention to detail there and that they didn't just pick, you know, one through 14 as the numbers. And I, all the I, jerseys were huge. They were double yes. XL. They were Which, hanging off everyone. Yeah, again, it just it felt very authentic high school basketball. And I don't know if it was by accident or they had a consultant that was like, okay, all the sizes have to be too big. <laughs> and they have to be made of the itchiest polyester material possible. 
Is that your pick for the wildest fit? Those jerseys. I I don't know. What, I don't want to say wild. Are we talking about wild, bad, or good? How are we? You know, I really wild? haven't decided how to actually define this category. We're in the last episode I, of know, Decom December. <laughs> I should have figured this out, but it's just like the most reflective of the time period. Right. What I, I think reflective of the time period is probably what Gabriella wears the whole movie because it's peak. 2006 girls fashion but i think the wildest is probably the tracksuits i will say just because they are so nice they are too nice for high school basketball standards and they're so much nicer than the actual jerseys that they wear and the fact that they have their names on the back of the jackets but not the jerseys i guess that would make some sense in that the jerseys could get reused every year but i think that the just the dichotomy between the not freshness and the very high schooly jerseys and the incredibly fresh all white warm ups. I think that's wild. Like, why is one so bad and the other is so good? Yeah, I think I'm. I feel like I want to pick Ryan's hats. Oh, there's, I, yeah. <laughs> they're also like, they're very. It's a very subtle hint at his sexuality. They're sure. very like, you know, which is, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't come out and say it. So, uh, you know, I, I think Ryan, and they're notable because they, they pop up in every, I think he's wearing a different one in every scene, yes, if I'm is. not mistaken. Um, and what's he, also really interesting about them is that they are, the shape of the hat is one of those old school taxi driver type hats that your grandpa wears, but then the patterns on them are all incredibly loud and vibrant and go with the rest of his outfit. So it's an actually really interesting mix of old school and new school. It's an old school shape with a new school design on it, and I love it. Him with the hats reminded me of one of my favorite TV shows of last year, which was American Vandal on Netflix. He reminds me of the, mm. the guy who plays Kevin McLean, which might be too much of a deep cut. Not as many, not enough people watched uh, watch American Vandal. Let's get into what didn't work about this movie. Uh, for me, there's there's two real glaring things. Uh, the entire basketball team, the state championship champion basketball team appears to be a max of six feet tall. <laughs> Zach Efron is 5'8", Corbin Blue is 5'9". No one looks like they tower above them, which is natural. You don't want, you know, a couple goons, like, hulking over your stars, but no one on that team is taller than 6'1". Yeah. They didn't really look... No one looks... I mean, Zach Efron looks like a good basketball player. He looks like that guy would be the point guard on the team, but you're right. They don't have anyone... I guess Zeke, Kremberley guy, he looks like he could play... But yeah, everyone else is like short, scrawny white guys. There's that one dude, I think it's number 55 with the black spiky hair that looks way, he's overacting the whole movie, way too intense on a lot of stuff. They don't look like they have a basketball team. I also find Not it funny, all. I believe in the state championship, they were playing West High School. Is this true? East, and, we East yeah. and West. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't even pick North. Like. <laughs> Couldn't, couldn't just make it up like some just you could do a random name a random city name at right. all not east versus west baby the only big the only other really notable thing that doesn't work for me is it a lot of shorts and t-shirts in this movie it's january in albuquerque it should be freezing i'm looking right now the the average high for albuquerque in january is 49 degrees the low oh, of 25 wow. these kids should be freezing that's a good pull. Yeah, I think as far as what didn't work, it's hard because it is just a decom. So you have to throw it aside. And it's a musical on top of that. So yeah, you really I mean, you got to throw, throw reality out the window. You really got to throw reality out the window. So when you're talking about what didn't work, I think it's all it's all just going to be little nitpicky things. Like in high school, shouldn't the basketball coach be a teacher? 
I don't know if that was, I thought that was like a standard thing is that usually high school basketball coaches are also teachers at the school. Yeah, unless, unless you go like to some, some private, academy. yeah, unless you're at some private sports centered academy. So the fact that Troy's dad is just there is a little bit strange. Uh, and then, yeah, all the scheduling stuff, the way that they do the callback situation and all that is very weird. And it seems like it's so much more drawn out than actual callbacks. It feels like they're really far into the year. And they haven't even cast the play yet. Because how can you simultaneously have the state championship basketball game and you still are doing auditions? It just seems like the timeline's a bit strange. And it seems like the whole movie could have been solved with one. And you hinted at this earlier. Solved with one conversation with Darvis. Like, hey, we've got something that day. Can we sing earlier or later? Because it's not like you have to hear me at 3.30. Like, is shutting down the electricity to the game really nice? I feel like that's a crime. That's too. also doesn't work. Yeah, definitely. Also, is there a principal at the school? Do we ever meet the principal? We do. No, we do because he's he's a nominee for my Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award. It is Joey <laughs> Miyashima as Principal Dave Matsui. The only reason I list him because he is also the coach in the decom basketball movie Double Teamed. And oh. He's the worst fictional basketball coach of all time so we do meet the principal he he has he tries to have like a come to jesus meeting with darvis and bolton but it doesn't really go anywhere they don't get anything accomplished and that's pretty much yeah that's pretty much the extent of him um darvis is very she is not understanding about multiple schedules at all uh but also she she picked she couldn't have picked a musical with more than two meaty singing roles Mm -hmm. like maybe grease grease has a lot of singing roles um, yeah, that's. I feel like usually for high school plays, at least in my experience of what I've seen, you very rarely pick something that is two people dependent, especially for a musical. It's also hard to find a musical that only has two really meaty singing roles. Usually they have a lot of different stuff. Maybe they were doing Little Shop of Horrors. Yeah, and the fact that it has to be a duet. Right. Um, and, and it's... With Darvis, expect she has this level of expectation of okay, I am I am firm that my callbacks are at three thirty. You have to make this a priority in your life so much so that two people have to commit a crime to get there. <laughs> Why don't you pick the theater kids who this is their entire life? They, right. they are dedicated to this, and then maybe maybe make the people just kind of doing it on the side as the understudy. Valid, yeah. I I think I think. Darby, was it Darbus? Darbus is that Darbus? Darbus. I could, I could see her being the biggest. What didn't work? Yeah, she's uh, way too rigid. Way too rigid. Is that is that Darbus? Did you have anyone for best or worst on screen athlete? The only people they really, the only person they really give a lot of like athletic action to is Efron. They give a little bit to Corbin Blue, but Efron's really got the ball in his hands most of the movie. Corbin Blue's shot is court. broke. His shot is so broke. I would recommend everybody go to Get Your Head in the Game and watch specifically the very end when all of the boys on the team shoot at the hoop at the exact same time. Corbin Blue's form, it's two cuts, looks incredibly different from cut one to cut two. And so there's no consistency. But then the way he jumps, he points his toes way to the left and pigeon toes his toes a little bit. He puts the ball way behind the back of his head. His leg kick looks like he's trying to do karate and his follow through is all off. If you watch the ball, you can tell by the shadow and everything that he bricked the ever living crap out of the shot. 
he's I think he's the worst on-screen athlete ju- just because he's supposed to be touted as being very good and he's a main character. I'm not what I didn't pay as close attention to some of the extras, but his shot is absolutely broken. He's absolutely not getting picked in any of any of the pickup games he plays in. He he's mm-hmm. not he's not one of the top picks. It kind of makes sense as to why he's so dependent on Troy being at the game because he's like, hey man, I'm I'm not. I suck. Be able to carry us. <laughs> Please, I need to pass it to you. We need you to score fifty, buddy, because we got <laughs> nothing. We are the Cavaliers, and you're LeBron. We need you. Yeah, he's uh, who who is he on that last LeBron Cavs team? He doesn't have J.R. Smith. He's like J.R. Smith forgetting the 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 meme. He's like he could meme be JR he Smith. could be old Mo Williams. I can dribble oh. a lot and pass to you and look somewhat competent, but please don't ask me to run the offense. Love that. Love that comparison. Let's go to the Lenny Harris Pinch Hitter Award for Best Supporting Character. I already mentioned Principal Dave Matsui. Mm-hmm. Um, there's Ashley Tisdale and Lucas Grabila, Sharpay and Ryan, Ar- Ryan Evans, who I feel like are a little misunderstood people. I, I kind of wondered, considering a lot of the people who probably made this movie were the drama club people in high school, <laughs> I would guess... It's weird that they made them so unlikable. They made them the villains. Yeah, I think the, one of the bigger faults of the movies is their portrayal of villains. They do do a good job of letting the audience understand and make them relatable. I can kind of get it because I didn't do plays in high school just because, by the, by the way scheduling worked, you could not play sports and do plays at the same time. It just, everything was at the same time. You couldn't do it. And our theater director always picked whack plays that I didn't like. If they had picked something cool like Grease or West Side Story, I would have done it. But the plays were like The Man Who Came to Dinner, The Music Man, The Crucible, stuff that I didn't want to do. Uh, it wasn't until senior year when I had resigned myself to spending the fall to do college applications and not – I didn't even play basketball that fall. And then the spring, I had been doing varsity tennis for three years, so I wanted to keep that going. That year, they played Hello, Dolly and – What's the one with Attica, uh, To Kill a Mockingbird? Those two, great, fantastic. Would have auditioned for those. But what I did know, because I had a lot of friends that did theater, it is a very common thing for the people who did every single play, by the t- like, even if they're in little bit roles, cameo, small parts, by the time senior year comes, because they've put in the work, so to speak, it was a very big sticking point. I remember my junior and senior year, there was this guy named Mark, who didn't do any of the plays before, but he was really good at acting, and he tried out for a play junior, and he got the main role, and everyone was super pissed because he didn't do any plays. So I can see that being an accurate representation of the people who did every single play and feel entitled to getting the good roles because they've put in the hours versus the people who are just happen to be good and haven't done it before. I can see that. But yeah, there is really no redeeming element. It's hard for me to pick either... Sharpay or Ryan is best supporting because it isn't really until the second or third movie that you get to see them being actual human beings. They're just like villain, 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 villain in this movie. So there's not a lot going on. You don't get to yeah, see their it's perspective. Just, it's just surprising that they they kind of did them like that because like my senior year of high school, our school's production was Singing in the Rain and all the leads were people who did choir, like you said, had done other plays in the past. It, the It's like the... The sports equivalent would be like if a guy showed up to baseball practice in senior year and he, yeah, he could probably throw hard, but he hadn't really put the work in and wasn't really like as well versed on the craft. Like Troy and Cabriella have saying one karaoke duet and have like two weeks of practice. Are you really going to hang your hat on those people right. to, to carry the play? It's a very, very um, high risk, high reward play by Darvis. 
Um, the other supporting characters, there's Corbin Blue is, is Chad Danforth. Uh, Allison Reed is, is the aforementioned Mrs. Darbus. Monique Coleman as Taylor. She went on to be in Dancing with the Stars. And uh, just honorable mention to Chris Warren Jr. as Zeke Baylor, who loves to bake. I was going to pick Zeke Baylor, who loves to bake. I think he's fantastic. Also, wild that Corbin Blue's character is named Chad Danforth. That's the whitest name ever. <laughs> he sounds like a, like an heir to a, to some fortune. Yeah, and like he's on the polo team. That's bonkers. But yeah, I was going to pick Zeke out of this. I know it's very small, but I think he's great. He's wholesome. He seems like a nice guy. And I just, the when he says creme brulee, man, so good. So good. He's just good. a precious gem. Yeah, I just want to hug him. Yeah, he, I, I want to try one of his cookies or one of his creme I want to eat his creme brulee. Yeah, I had a great creme brulee last week, and I would love one from Zeke Baylor. So strange that he, when he announces that he likes to bake, everyone wants to put him down. Baking is dope. But then also, he makes creme brulee, which is very hard to do and involves a blowtorch, and people's reaction is not, whoa, Zeke, that's cool. Everyone screams, no, no, no. What? He just made creme brulee. Yeah, really tough scene by all the people putting down Zeke. 100%. Let's get to potentially the best category in DCOM December. Uh, it is the big cheese, the cheesiest mm. moment in this movie. I have a couple nominees. Uh, Troy getting off the bus, and then Chad <laughs> Chad like latches to his hip right away, and he's like, it's going to be a Wildcat New Year with you <laughs> leading us to the championship to infinity and beyond. I almost stabbed myself in the eye. Uh, every single get your head in the game thing. Oh. The Wildcats get your head in the game mm-hmm. cheer. The uh, repeated get your head in the game chance in the locker room while trying yep. to talk him out of auditions. But do you think that any of these Wildcat legends became legends by getting involved in musical auditions just days before the league championships? Get your head in the game! No. These Wildcat legends became legends because they never took their eye off the prize. Get your head in the game! Now! Yep. Uh, those are all tough. Uh, when Troy and his dad are talking in the gym after he sends Gabriella off, and he's like, she's just a girl. Uh, his dad, but you're not just a guy, Troy. Uh, that and whole then, scene. And then finally there is uh, the speech before the championship game with the soft piano music accompanying it. I just want the I just want to see my son have fun, like the heel turn that has come out of nowhere because he has not been pro his son at right. all besides like playing nope. basketball and getting a college scholarship did i miss anything i'm no, sure i did there's it. a lot of cheese I, no but. i think you nailed that i mean i think the moments that you identified are the cheesy moments that didn't really work because all of the other cheesy things are cheesy in a good way and i think that's fine it's a musical it's going to be cheesy that's just the nature, nature of the genre so i think that you didn't i you you nailed the head you hit the nail on the head for all the bad cheesy moments so I, I think I've got a my I think my favorite my my che- the ultimate cheese is that uh, it's going to be a Wildcat New Year with you <laughs> yeah. leading us to the championship. That is that throwing was throwing in a Disney Buzz Lightyear line in it too really adds on top of it. He might as well have winked into the camera and like uh-huh. if it was a YouTube video, he would have winked into the camera and then a link to the Disney store would have popped up <laughs> to buy like a Buzz Lightyear action figure yeah 100 percent. i think that's probably the cheesiest and the, the most oh god really moment of the film so this final question i'm going to leave you with this and it might be a tough thing to ask you as you are such a big fan of this movie how would you improve it mike yeah i think i think something we talked about is make make the villains a little more believable i think that 
you don't really get to see their perspective. It's more of just their caricatures of what they're supposed to be. I think maybe, maybe reducing, uh, it's hard. I feel like it, the, the ensemble aspect of it falls in between being an, an ensemble cast and just caring about Troy and Gabrielle. I think you either need to bolster up more of the side roles. And I think they do a good job of this in the second one. Give people like Chad and Ryan and Sharpay and Taylor, give them a little bit more so it makes more sense. I think that they kind of fall in the middle of, they have these other characters and they're around, but they don't really do anything that we care about. We really only care about Troy and Gabriella. So if you're going to make the focus just on them, just make it all about them. And don't try to sell me on a fake ensemble. But on the flip, flesh out the ensemble, which I think they do much better in the other films, is you actually get side plots that aren't just about Troy and Gabriella. You could, like, semi-Bechdel test this movie, but instead of the normal circumstances, make it, does anyone have a scene where two characters are talking about not Troy and Gabriella? And I don't think that ever happens in the entire film. Yeah, there's not much meat on the bone for any other characters besides Troy Gabriella and then to a lesser degree Ryan and Sharpay. That's why it's probably why Corbin Blue and and Monique Coleman are going for it anytime they get some dialogue. Yeah, I finally have a line. <laughs> um I didn't really have anything to cuz I don't I don't know what would make it better. Like I'm not going to say I needed more basketball. Like maybe a right. game, another game. Another would game like would have been nice. Showing them kind of maybe struggling to get to the get to the final and that's why it's kind of a concern cuz there's really they don't as much bring up like hey, he Troy's just like practicing singing, but he's still good at basketball. That skill isn't going to dissipate. Maybe, you know, maybe something of where he's the struggling loyalty is actually showing up besides like, Hey, he just misses a practice, which again, like, Hey folks, let's kids have schedules. Let's work some stuff out here. I figured it out. I figured out how to fix the movie or at least just improve it a little bit. The opening scene, instead of being this weird, unbelievable ski lodge, new year's Eve situation. Instead, the opening scene is a basketball game and it's super intense. Troy makes a game winning shot or something. And then this is the, playoff game or something that puts them in contention to go to the state championship to celebrate the team does the classic go to Denny's or something. And then they find out, or maybe the diner they're at is doing karaoke and Gabriella just happens to be there with her family. And then Troy's there with the team. And then they do the same thing. They put the spotlight on the two of them. They start singing. All that is still the same. But now you've given us a little bit more basketball. You set the stakes right away of who Troy is and what his normalcy is. And then now you've right off the bat, the basketball team is questioning his singing stuff and you don't have to wait for that to happen. That becomes a plot point right at the start. So one, that is genius. Like that is, (laughs) that makes this, that is perfect. I can't think of any better way to improve it. That is, that is absolutely genius. And two, Karaoke at a Denny's would be a beautiful fucking disaster. <laughs> I would pay to see a karaoke night at a Denny's. I would love to see that. My only suggestion with the song they sing, you mentioned earlier, it's not a song anyone would know. Yeah. Uh, they should just lean straight into Greece and, and sing um, some oh, yeah. nights. Well, the thing is, I guess you could say that they didn't pick a famous song because of the name, the rights or whatever. You are a Disney Channel original movie, so sing... A Disney uh, sing. Can you feel the love tonight? Or sing 
uh, whole new world, whole new world, saying something from a Disney movie. Then even that's like wink, wink, nudge, nudge, ha ha ha. You're watching a Disney Channel original movie, but then you can still make it a little more believable. Yeah, everybody knows the words to a whole new world, or at least close enough where if you're reading it, they know when Jasmine sings and when Aladdin sings. Well, when they remake this movie in you know fifteen twenty years, which yes. they a hundred percent will probably less probably when well, they remake it in five years. Well, they've already done the TV show remake. You've heard about this, right? Oh yes, yes, it, yeah. On the TV on Disney show Plus, on Disney the new Plus one. is in the future at East High School. They are performing High School Musical at the school. That's I think some, it's like Inception. Shit. It's super meta, and I love it. And even the name of the show, I believe, is called High School Musical: The Musical the series so it's a tv show about the high school from high school musical performing a musical about what happened it's so meta that i think it's fantastic but that yeah it sounds like it could be an snl skit oh 100 i mean there was a very good snl skit with zach efron where it's i think it's joking high school musical four where he comes back and he's their graduation speaker and he just tells them that college is super different from high school. And if you start singing in the middle of the cafeteria, people don't join in and stuff. It's really funny. Well, when they eventually just remake this right from scratch, right. Uh, hopefully they use the the beginning, the opening scene that you've crafted for them. But Mike, thank you so much for coming on this podcast, talking about of this course. movie with me. Tell the folks again where they can find your podcast. Sure. So you can find it wherever you listen to it, Spotify, anything like that. If you search for Potterless or Horse, they will show up. They're both by Multitude is the podcast collective that I'm a part of. We have a bunch of great shows, so you could also just search Multitude. But yeah, thanks for having me, man. This was really fun. And if they do this remake, I hope they do that changed intro. And I hope they cast me as Troy's dad. I would love to improve the role of Coach Bolton. because I think, I we, think... we would all love to see that. <laughs> Mike, thank you for coming on. We will have to tackle two and three for next year's yes, Decom December. Please, please have me back. Because two is so interesting. Because it is bad. But the highs of two are so high. And the lows are so low. And there's also a subplot of Zac Efron, Troy Bolton getting a scholarship to a college that doesn't exist. Oh, it's really good. That's that's everything I need. We will lead off next year's DCOM December with that. Yes. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please remember, subscribe, rate, review. You know the drill. Thank you for listening to Big Screen Sports in 2019. We will lead off next year with an episode with the guys from Mad About Movies, breaking down our five favorite sports movies of the year. Uh, you can catch, or of the, of the decade, of the previous decade. Ooh. You can catch that on Monday, January 6th, and we'll catch you then. Thanks. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website 
are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.